Good morning. All right, so this is the last uh, sermon in our sermon series on creation care. Again, I have yet, has anyone found a name for it? It's something better than creation care? No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, This is the last sermon, uh, and so uh, we're going to wrap up. Uh, And uh, if, if, we had to sum up what has been the, the take-home point from the sermons that have come before. Um, I have tried to make the case and make it very clear to us that we are not apart from creation, right? It's not creation and then humanity and then God. No, we are a part of God's created order. We stand in God's creation. And so when we talk about caring for God's creation, that includes caring for ourselves, And the point of of trying to get us to see this in a different way is that it's not something we choose. And it's not something that's wholly different from the larger mission of our church. When we talk about reconciliation and being reconciled to one another, it's easy for us to think about things like race and sexism and um, homophobia. It's easy for us to think about the things that impact us, flesh and blood. But we should also be thinking about the things that impact the rest of God's creation. We were made to be stewards, to take care of, to rule over, not use up, not destroy God's creation. That means the land, that means you, that means me, that means the water, the air, the animals, it means all of God's creation. Last week, I focused on this idea of commodification, and I made the point that when we treat the earth, when we treat creation like a commodity, we deny the goodness of our God. We deny that God is faithful and that he is our source and our provision. And instead we say, no, we, can, we will provide for ourselves by taking whatever we want, however we want it, from creation. Instead of a Sabbath and Jubilee mentality that reminds us that God created all things, not just for the good of us, but for his own glory, for his own purposes. Instead of a Sabbath and Jubilee mentality that reminds us that he is our source and in him there is no lack. We are greedy and we seek to provide for ourselves and be our own God. But that's not God's economy. Last week, I started to talk about the the idea of what we do. And I said that one of the things that we can do is see our care of the earth as an act of hospitality. God desires that creation, that his creation, his good creation, be good for generations to come. Another way that we can start to reorient ourselves is to see our care of creation as an act of worship. I love the worship set that we sang this morning because it reminded us that Scripture tells us that all of creation cries out in worship to God. And so when we care for the land, we can consider it as our act of making sure God gets all the worship and all the praise that he is due. I want every rock to be able to cry out. I want every tree to be able to sing his praise. God should be glorified in all the earth. When we care for the earth, that is our way of making his name great in all the land because he is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. When we think about caring for creation, for ourselves, for all that God has made, we should see it as an act 
of worship to our God. So this morning, I want to wrap up this series by talking about justice. So throughout the series, I've sort of, again, argued that caring for creation is caring for ourselves. And I want to make this something that is very clear and very plain. It's been kind of, I think, out there. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit more practical for us this morning. Um, So the passage that we're going to read is Romans. We'll be in chapter 8, verses 18 through 24a. Um, Romans comes after Acts. So if you're not familiar with your New Testament, you can... You can go ahead and start to open your Bibles or your phones, however we do. But I invite you to stand as you're able when you get there. (laughs) Um, And we'll go ahead and read this together. So, beginning with verse 18, it reads, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can have a seat. So if I told you that um, as a church, in light of our current administration's visceral hostility towards immigrants, uh, our church was going to start participating um, in a safe haven project. And we were going to make sure that people all around the city undocumented families knew that we were safe haven and that they could come. We were going to partner with other agencies that were going to be safe havens, right? Most of us would jump on that, right? Um, If I told you that in light of the travesties uh, that is Chicago's public school education and the funding structure that has left many children far behind and without the resources that they need, Um, We were going to step up our involvement in public education here, and we were going to um, really start trying to provide resources and services for students all over Chicago. We We would be excited about that, right? And rightly so. If I told you that in light of income inequality that has created a situation in which we now have two Chicagos, we have a white Chicago that is fun and safe and well-resourced, and then we have a Chicago of color that is often dangerous and under-resourced. In light of that, we were going to start a project in which we really started to invest economically into some um, communities of color, and specifically in this community. We were going to try to help homeowners buy back their homes and um, make sure that schools were in facilities that were kept up well. We We would get excited about that, right? But if I said to you that the same immigrants that we've decided to stand up for, the same immigrants that we have been praying for, that many of them are the first line 
in factory farms, that many of them are subjected to cruel and unusual working conditions, that they often will suffer PTSD from the kind of work that they do. Did you all know that um, a live animal can enter a factory, um, a slaughterhouse, and 19 minutes later come out as every kind of meat or meat product like that? So 19 minutes. I've never killed a cow, but I feel like if I were to kill a cow, it would take me more than 19 minutes just to make that part happen. You can imagine what's going on inside those factories. If, if I told you that um, the same school children in those public schools that we're, we're going to stand up for and we're going to protect, that they're more likely to go to schools where the air that they breathe, the, the air is poisonous. Because they're more likely to be in schools located in parts of our city that have the heaviest truck traffic. And so they're breathing in those fumes on a regular basis. And those fumes don't just stink. They can lead to higher instances of asthma. They can lead to learning disabilities and all kinds of other respiratory illnesses. If I, if I told you that, would you be as excited to work against it? If I told you that many of those communities, those communities that have been hit hardest by that racialized class divide in Chicago, are likely, the most likely, to be located in places where there are toxic wastes of all kinds, and that, again, those toxic wastes that they breathe and drink and plant food in and play in, that that contributes to, again, learning disabilities, cognitive disparities, and even associated with violence, would you see those things as one and the same? Would you see them as connected? I suspect that as many of us would be quick to jump on something like income inequality as it relates to housing or um, schooling or um, immigrant issues, that as fast as we would jump on that, as many of us would the same number would probably struggle a little bit. We're trying to figure out what to do about some of those other things. Sure, nobody wants children to breathe bad air. But if I told you that we were going to rally to make sure that the toxic waste that we all produce is not disseminated through our community based on class, but that we all carried our fair share, and so that might mean that a landfill gets built in your neighborhood, how many of us would jump on that? Not a lot. See, the point of this entire sermon series has been to say that all of these things are connected. You can't really talk about justice and not address all of creation. It's hard to talk about education disparities and not talk about all of the things that might be leading to it. It's hard to talk about justice for immigrant communities and not look at all of the ways that they are affected. I shouldn't say it's hard because it's easy. We do it all the time. But as people of God, as people of faith who understand that we are connected, that we are one, and that God's heart breaks for all of his creation— it should be hard for us. When we care for creation, we care 
for ourselves. When we do justice for creation, we do justice for ourselves. We are connected. We are a part of. And God's purpose for us is to be the caretakers. So one, um, one thing that I've come to, I don't know, notice. If you wanted to see where a spiritual reality is, if you want to see, you know, like, okay, there's something more than just we don't get it, it's our culture. If you want to see that there's something spiritual going on, look at how people respond to things that should make common sense. So this is what I'm... So when we did the sermon series on Sabbath, one of my favorite moments was when Pastor David and Maggie, um, when you guys did the little panel discussion. And so Maggie, there was something that she said during that sermon, during that, that time, where everybody's asking questions. Um, it was a Q&A portion. And the, 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 the feel in the room was like, it was heavy. You could tell that people were just like, but how? Tell me how. I don't understand. What do we do? And so at one point, Maggie said, you know, you all, we're talking about a day of rest. So <laughs> this should be a good thing. And in any other circumstance, someone telling you to take a rest would not cause anxiety. Right? Like someone saying, just sit down and rest. Wouldn't <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right? But the way that we approached Sabbath and Sabbath rest, we could, how? What do we do? That lets you know that's not, there's a spiritual component going on. When we think about creation, the idea that the air, the water, the ground, things that we breathe, drink, live on, walk on, eat, right? It should make perfect sense that these things are connected and that how we treat one will impact the all, right? And yet it's something that most of us have never thought about. There's something spiritual there. God called us and created us for the sole purpose of being caretakers of the creation. And yet we have completely abandoned that call. Not just abandoned it, it doesn't even make sense to us often. When someone says it, you think, oh, yeah, but it's not something that we see. There's a spiritual dynamic. (sighs) What better trick of the enemy than to get a people to forget exactly who they are and what they were called to do and who they were called to be? What better trick of the enemy than to get a people to forget what they are? When we care for creation... (laughs) We care for ourselves. When we do justice for creation, we do justice for ourselves. God's purpose for us was to be caretakers and stewards. And that's the lens through which we should understand his call for us to serve the least of these. That's the lens through which we should understand that Micah 6, 8 passage that tells us what O mortal, does God require of you but to love mercy, to do justice, and walk humbly with your God? When we hear stories like Flint, right, and what happened there, 
it's easy for us to be rightly indignant. And the nation gets in an uproar. It was wonderful to see the, the, the moves to compassion that people had to help, to send water, to go out there. There were people from our church who drove out with filling their own car with water just to bring it to people. That's awesome. That's good. But there are flints all over this world. There are flints all over this country. There are flints in our own city and just outside of our city. There's places like Altgeld Gardens. How many people are familiar with that? A handful of you. Altgeld Gardens is a community southeast from here in Chicago. At one point in time, there were, they were surrounded by 50 landfills and 382 industrial facilities. It had 250 leaking underground storage tanks. Today... If you've ever driven down, I don't know which highway, but one of the highways, if you've ever seen what looks like a beautiful foothill, that is trash. Covered up now, but emitting methane gas. So a beautiful methane gas emitting foothill. Altgeld Gardens gets to be neighbors to that. They also happen to be the endpoint of our sewage waste facility. What a wonderful smell in the morning they must have. Why? Do you want it in your neighborhood? Would you like it in your, like if we went outside and it was in the back of our church? It's low income. And so that's where we can put our waste. Today, in places like East Chicago, how many people are familiar with East Chicago, Indiana? A handful of us. So in the wake of Flint, a lot of cities all over the country started to to take issue, like lead. What's going on with the lead maybe in our own water, in our own paint? In East Chicago, they found that the dirt surrounding a housing project, a housing project that used to be occupied by facilities that, you know, produced, you know, like lead. The dirt was full of, go figure, what do you think? Lead and arsenic. Many years after the fact, because see, what happened was when those factories shut down, the city decided this would be a wonderful place to build a housing project and an elementary school for little poor kids. And so we'll just build a project right here and we'll build a school. And so for decades, for now generations, there have been people who have played in, dug dirt, made dirt, mud pies, grown their vegetables in lead and arsenic filled dirt. Lead is a neurotoxin. It causes irreversible brain damage in children, learning disabilities. Again, it's associated with violence in communities. When Flint happened, people, you know, started to see this and decided to try to clean up by evicting everyone in the housing project. But see, that is an environmental issue, right? But it's a justice issue. It affects not just the land, not just the water, not just the air, not just the people, the whole. If I told you that that school in, in East Chicago was suffering with low reading scores and low math scores and that we as a church were going to mobilize to go and tutor and try to get people to go in and serve and we wanted to be trained so we could teach, people would jump on it. But what if another way to help in addition to that was to think about how we build factories and regulate them. 
what we do with our waste, what we do with our consumption, and maybe we should produce more? What if it meant trying to lobby and change something about ourselves? What if we had to pay a little extra, right? Push a little harder, talk to a senator. Would we be as excited? When we care for creation, we care for ourselves. When we do justice for creation, we do justice for ourselves. The Romans passage that we chose, that I chose, we didn't choose it. You had no say in it. The Romans passage that I chose, I chose for a very specific reason. All of creation is groaning and waiting for Christ's return. But the other thing that Paul tells us, and it's a little more subtle, is that God's plan for redemption is a plan not just for us, not just for you and me, not just for flesh and blood. God's plan for redemption is a plan for the entirety of creation. And see, if God's plan for redemption is a plan for all of creation, then you and I don't get to get out of our call to witness to all of creation. We've made it very plain in this church that to be a witness isn't just to say words with your mouth. It's in what we do. It's in how we live. It's in how we reflect God's light. And we get it when it comes to reflecting God's light to unbelievers. But what would it look like to reflect God's light in all of the earth? What would it look like to to witness God's redemptive plan to all of creation? So if you're like me, you have one of two reactions. On a good day, when I, well, maybe it's not a good day. On what I'm going to call a good day, when I hear things like this, I am spurred to action. What can I do? What can I do now? Who can I call? What do I need to change? On a not so good day, when I hear things like this, my response is, oh, Lord, it's so much. I will just step back a little bit. Both of those come from the same place. The idea or the belief that I have to do it. The idea or the belief that you have now heard something, and so the response is go do something. So I said at the beginning of my sermon series that I hate uh, several phrases, racial reconciliation, creation care, and social justice. These are all terms that I really cannot stand. Now, I've come to be able to articulate better why I can't stand the term social justice. So social justice is me hearing a problem and me deciding in my own strength what I should do about it. That is the foundation of social justice. And maybe me, being a smart me, will link up with other me's or you's or I's, and we'll all figure out what we can do in our own strength to solve the problem. That's the, that's the base of social justice. That's not what we're called to. We're called to a posture that says, Lord, here am I, send me. And so what would it mean if you changed the way that you prayed and discerned? What would it mean if you changed the things that you cry out to your God so that he could direct our path as far as what we do? Because, see, here's the good news. If all of creation is groaning out for Christ's return, and if God's redemptive plan is not just for flesh and blood, but if his redemptive plan is for all of his creation, then we know that the the God that died on the cross, the blood that gives us power and strength, 
the authority that we have been given through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is the power within us to do the thing that he calls us to do. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed or discouraged, but you do have to feel conviction. The one thing that you may not respond The one way you may not respond, and may not is probably not true, because you can respond how you want to. But this would be a bad response. To walk away and say, well, that was a cute sermon series. I've never heard that spoken in church before. And then tomorrow you live exactly the way you used to live. To walk away and feel like you don't need to pray differently, to feel like you don't need to open your ears or your eyes or see a little bit more clearly, to ask God to remove scales from your eyes, to unplug your ears, that would be a wrong response. Because the fact of the matter is that we don't get to opt out. We are called to be light in this world. We are called to be salt, not just for each other, but for all of creation. God's redemptive plan is not just for us before all of creation. Amen? So what I want to do this morning, and it's a little bit, well, I don't know. So this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do um, in a minute. I would like us to take a little bit of time and form groups of three, four, maybe five, um, and just have a very basic conversation. What have you heard the Lord say to you during this time? If your answer is, I have not heard anything, that is, an, that is an acceptable answer. Please say that. But just take a moment to just talk amongst yourselves. What do you think God might be calling you to? What might, be God, my, what might God be calling our church to? Um, and then I'm going to wrap up when we come back together. So we, can we do that? Can just form like a few little... I was really encouraged to hear um, that people were talking. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, that's, that's, that's real. So I have to say, um, this was like a really weird sermon series for me to preach. Um, so God has been dealing with me in this area for now, for a few years, um, for, yeah, for a while. Um, and I mean it sincerely when I say that the, the point is not to say, I'm going to go from here and I'm just going to do something, but to really discern what God is calling you to, what God is saying. I can tell you that um, when God started to deal with me, the ways that the first thing that I was convicted about was the area of just uh, my consumption, like what I buy, um, what I wear, what I eat. Um, and first, it started with what I was wearing. So I, I was called to really start to think about how I spend my money. So one of the things that I started to do um, was look for companies that made clothes in the United States or that source their materials in ethical ways and, like, what they mean by ethical because just because someone said ethical, I have come to find out does not everybody's ethics apparently are not the same. So, um, but to think about how things were sourced and um, buying uh shopping at thrift stores, which is something that I've done all my life, but doing it in a more intentional way and understanding what my dollars are going to. 
And then I got convicted around food. And so, as you all know, like I'm a vegan. because um, I got convicted around how we handle our food and how we handle the land and how we care for that and what factory farming has meant for all of creation. Again, not just the animals, not just the land, but also the people who are employed to work in toxic, dangerous situations at times. So as I, um, as God opened my eyes to see more, he has been revealing more steps. And so my prayer and my hope is that that is what you will take from this sermon series. Not, I know tomorrow that I, I will start recycling more. You should. Recycling is good. But hey, you know, maybe that's not the first place that God calls you. It's not a practical, I'm going to go do A, B, or C. The one thing that I pray we will all do is pray and be very discerning and be very desiring of God to reveal his love for creation and what he desires us to do as stewards of it. Because it may look different for each of us. There are things that that some of us are already doing that God may call you to do in a more intentional way. Um, Some of us may be called to open our mouths as a preacher I, you know, I get to hold a microphone and say these things to people who must listen because you're here and you can hear me. Um, but even that, I mean, it was tricky because I'm, I, when I, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound preachy. I don't want to be telling you all what to do. I don't have a problem telling you all what to do, but that's not what I want. It's not how I want to come across. <laughs> um, but that is a place that God called, open your mouth and say it, right? This is a journey that I've been walking you on. It's not a journey for you to just walk on by yourself. Open your mouth and speak. So that might be one of the places that you're called to. Um, But my prayer is that, again, all of us will at least have our perspective changed a bit. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to invite the the people with the baskets, the ushers, Lord Jesus, (laughs) to come and collect our offering. And I'm going to pray for our offering. And then the worship team will come and be before us. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) God, I thank you because you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. God, I pray that we would be a church that honors you in all that we do, in all that we say. God, I pray that we would be a church that brings you glory, that makes your name great in all the earth. And I pray, God, that we would be a church always that is mindful and intentional about our actions. And so, Lord, even as we um, prepare to give our offering, as I pray every time, Lord, I pray that we would do it as an act of worship to you, God, and as a declaration that we trust you that you are our source, that you are our provision, that in you there is no lack. We don't have to pillage anything because a cattle on a hill belongs to you, Lord. And so help us, God, to grow in our trust and help us, oh God, to grow in our desire to love the way that you love and to love the things that you love. We truly want to be a people whose desires are in line with your heart. And so, God, give us the desires of our heart. Let them be righteous and in order. 
Help us to walk uprightly before you. Help us to be a people who understand what it means to love mercy, to do justice, and walk humbly before our God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a newcomers luncheon today, and so I want you to invite you. Um, if you haven't signed up, you can sign up right in the back, and they'll start eating around 12:30. I think that's true. Um, but as you go from this place, I, let this song be the benediction. God takes us from glory to glory. Amen. And so we can't help but be moving forward unless we actively decide. God, no, I will resist you. Because he's always opening our eyes. Because he wants to conform us, what, to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to always see more and know more. All we have to do is yield to what he wants to do in our life. And so it's my prayer for you and for me, for all of us this week, that we will not resist what God will say and do in our lives. But that we will walk in the authority and in the power that he has given us. And that we will understand that that authority and that power is not just for flesh and blood, but for all of his creation. Amen. So God, send us. We stand here today, oh God, and say, here am I. Send us. I thank you, oh God, that you created us from the dust that you created us a part of all of your creation and you said it is good. I thank you that our value, our value, the value of the earth, the value of the air, the trees, the seas, the animals, that our value comes not in what we can get from each other, but because you looked upon us and said it is good. Our value and our worth is rooted in you. God, I pray that you would help us to know that truth about every part of your creation. Help us, oh God, to love like you love, to love what you love, and to be what you have created us to be. Help us to be surrendered to you in all things this week and to live, move, and have our being not in our own strength, but in you. And we will be careful to give you all of the praise and honor and glory that you alone, you alone deserve. In 
Jesus' name. Amen.